0: I had had enough. Well, you drove out there into the middle of nowhere and had some sort of loud verbal display challenging ET in general out oh, in the middle yeah. of nowhere? That's what
1: I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. <laughs>
2: He was a Louisiana man named Montaldo. Folks around called him Six Gun Joe. Worked with Icar, don't you know? Investigating. Out for a drive with a gal one night. They stopped to check out the reporting site. When an alien lit right there on the ground, they commenced to throw in his weight around. Now, old Six Gun didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing. Especially without Vaseline or anything, you know. Seriously. Well, Six Gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, Any last wish before you die, you'll. Reached for his gun quick as a twitch and said, Fill your club, you son of a bitch. Now, a legend spread across the land about this pistol waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six Gun (laughs) Joe. E aí, o que
0: UFO Undercover, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network.
1: Good evening, everyone. I hope everyone's having a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on our big blue planet. You know, guys, I say it every week. There's nowhere else I'm going to be on Wednesday night, but right here with everybody. I hope you're all doing good, and I hope everybody's really
0: enjoying
1: it. Right, it's called Fat Elbow-itis got in the way there. <laughs> I really am hoping everybody's enjoying their New Year's and New Year's Day, and for all my friends out there who's got a lot of stuff going on in next week, I hope all of y'all's, things come well for you and go well for you and do well for you. I got some friends out there that are families are having surgeries and some friends of ours on the network also families having surgery. So I'm keeping all y'all's in my prayers and hoping everybody is successful and everything goes the way it's supposed to. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a busy new year is all I can tell you. Uh, I was hoping for a nice, quiet new year, but I guess I should be happy. To, the, the more noisy, the more money I'm making. So that's always a good thing in itself. Um, but a lot going on today. We're going to be talking about UAPs and uh, why the government decide all of a sudden, look, we have UAPs. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure exactly what we're supposed to think about it. <laughs> I've seen that. Anyway. Uh, well, <laughs> stop. Okay, UAP versus a UFO is the same damn thing. It's unidentified. <laughs> stop. Oh man, y'all are just insane tonight. It's just, just stop. I, I don't want to be laughing all night. Uh, well, I call them yaps. Uh huh. Well, according to the government, they're unidentified aerial phenomena, and well, of course, we call them un- unidentified f- flying objects. Yes. Well, what's the difference? Nothing. One's just unidentified aerial phenomena. And one's unidentified flying object. It's the same thing. Well, no, I guess somebody in the government thought this sounded better, but didn't they ever think what the acronym, YAP? Yep. Yeah. i not sure. Uh, they just wanted to get away from the UFO world for Congress and the media and all that stuff because UFOs have taken um, a negative condensation over the years. Well, you know, they associate crazy people with UFOs. It's always been funny to me because the alien abduction people don't catch as much flack as the UFO people do. I don't know why or how come they just don't. Uh, but unidentified aerial phenomena to me is just a joke. It doesn't mean anything different. Um, you know, I got a lot of friends in the navy, and, and I, this has been something they have been tracking for a long time. This isn't new. This isn't something all of a sudden. Oh my God, Congress knows about. Oh shit, that's not true. It's not. That's not what went on here. Congress has been knowing about it for a while. This was for you, the people, to see this. Yes, because they need some money for something. Or they they want to come out with something. But well, according to the government, none of this is alien. Remember that. The government's already said that UAPs are not extraterrestrial. They're Russian or Chinese. Let me tell you something. If the Russian and Chinese have that kind of technology, we should have already surrendered. Because they'll whip our ass outright. I mean, sometimes you just got to wonder about the government's... Well, the government thinks you're ignorant. Yes. Billy, Michael, Jeannie, Colin, all they think you're ignorant. That's what the government thinks. You ignorant. You ignorant. They just passed 1.7 trillion dollar bill. Y'all didn't say anything. So they know y'all ignorant. Okay. Yes. I'm using kind of the ignorant. Yes. Ignorant. but still the same thing. Yes. It's like, yeah, versus UFO. It still means the same thing. Unidentified flying object. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Ooh. Well, aerial phenomena is kind of stupid because it is a flying object. It is moving through the atmosphere. Uh, Unidentified aerial phenomena could be anything. It could be a damn uh, orange globe just hanging there. It's, it's, uh, okay. I got a lot of friends in the government. I got a lot of friends in the military. I got a really high security clearance. And I'll I'll tell you something. The government don't know squat about squat when it comes to aerial phenomena or UFOs or anything else. So, you know, we can go way back to find yaps. Um, I mean, Unidentified aerial phenomena. Oh, what is that called? The Foo Fighters back in the 40s. Now, here's something. The technology we still can't produce today. Granted, we can come a little closer than we used to because we have drones now that can flip around and do stuff, but they still can't move at the speeds that these that these craft did or in the size of these craft were moving at these speeds. Oh, we have big drones too, but they can't do these fancy dancing around uh, big well, you forget how big these bombers were. The bombers were big, and these things would come in about the size of a fighter jet and just do flips around them, taxi, hang above them, hang below them, sit there for a second and zip off and zip out. According to the pilots, they were traveling at speeds excess of Mach 15 at least. Uh, one pilot described it. It was so strange because you'd see it take off, and you were expecting to see sonic booms. So there'd be nothing. And then all of a sudden it would be back. It would completely disappear out of the sky and then be back. And then sometimes other flight groups would see it, or sometimes the enemies would see it and think it was ours. Or, and a couple of times these things have engaged while, while the enemies and the allies were fighting, and everybody was confused because they weren't engaged in anybody. They were just kind of hanging out. But that's what they are, unidentified aerial phenomena, which means squat. That's not telling you anything. That's telling you again, what is my favorite word tonight? Ignant. Yes, ignorant. That's what you are, ignorant. Again, you passed a $1.7 trillion bill, have no idea what's in it, and you're pretty ignorant. Did no one ever stop to think whatever side you may be on? 1.7. The, the country's $30 trillion in debt and 1.7, and none of this had anything to do with UAPs. There was no money in there for UAPs. It was all kind of stupid money in there for all kind of stupid projects. But there was no money in there for the investigation of UAPs. Why is that? And why is the the Navy taking the lead on this? Where's the Air Force at? Mm -hmm. Well, it's weird. Uh, Most space space stuff will be Navy related. Uh, It's hard to explain. Okay. The Navy has all the oceans, monitors all the oceans on the planet. The Air Force are given individual bases and areas to cover. But they're not like the Navy. They don't have aircraft carriers and stuff like that. They're usually stuck in one place. So when we go into deep space, they want to use Navy ranks and Navy signets and stuff like that because it's more, you know, to them, space is just another big ocean, just a big ocean of stars. So that's why you hear so many of the Navy things coming up when you hear about when you're talking about going into deep space and stuff. No, that's not Air Force, that's DARPA. No, DARPA is not Air Force. Department is Department of Defense. And no, 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 they're not the Air Force. They're a whole separate division. So the Navy has its own division for space. The Air Force has its own division for space. DARPA has its own division for space. And then, of course, there's Trump space command that he put up while he was in office that Joe Biden decided to keep. Uh, and it's doing quite well from what I understand. So in the United States, we have four different branches. Oh, and then there's NASA, so we have five different branches dealing with space. And you know what's funny about it? Elon Musk kicks all their asses. I mean, Elon Musk, is. do you realize he launched 10 times as many ships last year as all the great worlds combined? Oh, no. So if you had United States, China, Russia, and India who were all launching spaceships last year, they launched 10 times as many. And wait, they brought them back safely and landed them and recovered them and reused them. We're not using any of that stuff. Mm Mm-mm. (laughs) Then <laughs> NASA has always been a joke. So if NASA would have did Elon Musk program it would have been a 20-year program. Elon did it in less than a decade, NASA would have took 2 decades. I mean, look how long it took to uh, to the Apollo program it was roughly about 15 years. Uh the the you mean the Shuttle program, technically it was a decade, but really and truly when you look at it and see where it actually started, it's about 15 years too. But Elon Musk is not like that. He's he's much sharper in space. And it's not just, he's not just doing his own rockets and putting other things in space. He's putting his own satellites in space. He's watching the world. He's watching the Russians. He's watching the Ukrainians. He's watching the Chinese. He's watching the Americans. Don't forget what he told Russia. When Russia said it might launch a nuke to the United States, he said he would knock it down. Oh, that's Elon Musk said it would knock it down. And then Putin got all big with himself and said, well, we'll just launch more. He said, I'm pretty sure I can produce more satellites and you can produce missiles. He said, I've already got more satellites in space than you have missiles. And he said, I can produce many, many more and knock anything you shoot towards us down. He means it too. So technically the U.S. is trying to build a missile defense shield around the country. Here comes a guy. Wait a minute. Now remember, he's not an American. He's an, he's, <laughs> he's a wealthiest African American and well, that's true. He is. But his his daddy was from Africa and his mama was from Canada. He can't he can be a politician, he can just never be a president. Oh yes. So Elon Musk is not an American, but yet here he is taking up for America and setting us up to where we can't be attacked by nuclear weapons. Mm, that's pretty that's pretty good of a guy. That which also makes China's missiles and Russia's missiles and everybody else's missiles obsolete, but guess what? It doesn't make ours obsolete. So now we have a way to knock missiles out the sky coming towards us, not including the stuff we already have. And now we can launch our own missiles unobstructed. It makes us much more dangerous than we used to be. Mm -hmm. What's what's funny about it is China and Russia, it really hasn't set into China and Russia's head yet. It's starting to, because I heard Xi Jinping talking about something the other day about Elon Musk. And it's starting to sink in their head that they may be in deep trouble, that before they could get stuff off the ground. Thank you, baby. Uh, but now they can't, not without Elon Musk seeing it and knocking it down. And the problem for it, they are they are the problem for Russia and China is. Hmm, I had to get some of that good Folgers coffee. Is they don't have inventors like Elon Musk, and Elon's satellites are really hard to track. They're not like massive satellites. No, they're not huge, big satellites. They're smaller satellites they are hard to keep an eye on, mainly because the amount of space junk. <laughs> Some ungodly amount of space junk up there right now. Um, well, when I first started tracking everything, there was like 1,200 pieces and uh, there was this, that, and the other thing. There's only a few satellites and all. now there's just there's shit everywhere up there. When you pull up to our planet, you see a ring of just crap floating around. A lot of it's satellites, but a lot of it's just parts left over from satellites. I mean, this shit, China's shit's always falling out the sky. Well, we've had stuff fall out together. forget about Skylab. It fell smack out of the sky. Yeah, and we've had other stuff fall out. But generally, our stuff keeps going in space. Theirs tend to come to uh, close to uh, close Earth orbit. So it falls out of space. Glenn, that's not true. China does have a space station. Mm-hmm. I forgot the name of it, but they do have a space station. An active space station, yeah. Just like we do. Well, ours is a little bit bigger, but we've been building on ours for a while. No, we kind of... The Russians... Well, the Russians don't really want to get in, into it with America because they need America. China's not really helping them in the way they thought they were, and then China also needs America because what we're going to do is, is we're moving the chip building world out of Taiwan and back to the United States where it should be. I never understood why America would let another country build our our chips for our, catal- our for our, yeah for our satellites for everything. Everything we did, building all of our, what the hell, who's bright? I'd really like to find out whose idea that was. $5 says it was Barack and saying Obama. Oh yeah, I'd bet money on it. Because it just sounds something stupid he would do. He did a lot of things like that where he let things go outside of our country that should have stayed inside of our country. Well, he's not the only one. I mean, Nixon, now none of this was going on with Nixon, but Nixon believed in free trade with China. But here's China trying to get shit off the ground. They can't even build an aircraft carrier. They had to buy one from Russia. And the one they built is a piece of crap. It's like something Nintendo would build. I mean, it's just, it's just crap. Well, what do you expect? The Chinese have a lot of crappy products. I mean, almost everything we buy from China is garbage. Almost everything anybody in the world buys from China is garbage. And what, you think the product control on their own craft is going to be that much better? The problem with China is the amount of corruption. We have corruption. Russia has corruption. But the amount of corruption in China goes all the way into their military. Well, you remember when we had $10,000 hammers and $35,000 toilet seats and stuff like that? Yeah, I don't know whose idea that was. I, I don't even know why anybody thought they were going to get away with that, even though they did for a few years. Yes, the toilet seats were $36,000. Same toilet seat that you sit on, my friend, $36,000. $36,000. But all of this time, there was unidentified flying objects flying around or uh, unidentified, unidentified aerial phenomena flying around. We didn't care then. Why all of a sudden, I mean, really, why all of a sudden does the government care? Do you think they're getting ready to disclose bullshit? Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that one. Why would they disclose? I ask people this all the time. What? What is it? What incentive are you going to give the government to disclose? especially since all y'all think they've been knowing about this technology for a long time, what is it? I mean, what are you going to give the government to, to incentive to, to, to disclose what they know? I mean, what? Are you going to give them an ice cream cone? Are you going to give them some money? What is it that makes you think that the United States government is going to tell you the truth about anything extraterrestrial? I mean, I, I'm just curious to why you would think they would do that. I mean, what is it? What is their benefit to telling you the truth? So again, what is the government's benefit to telling you the truth? Well, we get to sue them because they lied about extraterrestrial contacts. So if, e, if the government knows about ET and knows the planet's being visited, but has not told us, they're in deep trouble for that. They've lied to us. And then every person who thinks they've been abducted or has been abducted, however you want to look at this, they're going to sue the government. Oh, yeah, they're going to sue the government because the government allowed their citizens to be abducted. And since, well, no, the government's not going to be able to prove it didn't happen. Unless they get E.T. to come sit on a stand, the government's not going to be able to prove it didn't happen. If the government acknowledges the fact that extraterrestrials exist and they've been covering it up, then, yes, everybody who's been taken is going to sue and the government has no way to prove it didn't happen to them. Burden of proof will be on the government. And the citizens will be against the government on this because the government has lied to us too many times. I mean, just look what the FBI has done in the last two elections and you don't think we, we're going to trust them. Uh, that's not going to happen. Clara, actually, I got a lot of friends that work in the FBI. I have a lot of respect for the FBI, just not the upper echelon. No, because I don't think all the agents agreed with these tactics and I don't think they're the ones who are trying to get it done. I think this came from the people in contact with Joe Joe Biden. Or whoever Hillary Clinton or Chuck Schumer, whoever it may have been, uh, this wasn't people. This wasn't just everyday FBI agents. They're not talking to politicians. Yeah, they're, they're sending these are upper echelon people that went to go sit at Mark Zuckerberg's table or hung out with Jimmy uh, Joe, uh, John Dorsey. I mean, but yet they did it. And now, thanks to Elon Musk, he released something yesterday that proves that Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff was telling them to get rid of stuff and to hide things and to mm -hmm, dox people, shadow ban them, stuff like that. So, I mean, they're doing all of this, and you think they're going to tell you the truth about extraterrestrials. They won't even tell you the truth about COVID, but you think they're going to tell you the truth about extraterrestrials. Well, I remember when everybody was calling it the Chinese virus and, oh, the liberals got all mad. You can't call it the Chinese virus. It is a Chinese virus. That's where it came. Actually, I say you should call it the Wuhan virus because that's where it came from. And and now we found out through other stuff that Fauci was given not just gains of research, but he was developing. Yes, he, he they proved that he's now. This is going to all end up in court. This is going to all end up, you know, no one is going to ever go to jail because no one high up ever goes to jail. Look at Hillary Clinton. Hillary could, Clinton should be in jail for several things. She didn't go to jail for anything, even though everybody around her did. She didn't, and you know what's funny? Hillary and Bill had a big interest in UFOs, a big interest, big interest in it, and they talked to many people way up to try to get this, um, to try to get information on it. And finally, they were warned. I don't know which branch, probably the NSA, warned them that they did not need to know. I don't think the the CIA runs Area Fifty One. Well, CIA is... People get confused sometimes, okay? NSA is National Security Agency. That's for the United States, just like the FBI is. The CIA is for abroad. It's for things going on outside the USA. Secret Service is the president's own private security. And there's other agencies like that, like Homeland Security and a few others besides those. And they all serve... They all have their purposes they serve. But... The CIA is not an inbound organization. It's an outbound organization. I'm not saying it doesn't have a secret basis. It probably got them here and everywhere else. But again, they're not in charge of what's going on inside the USA. That's the NSA stuff. You remember when 9-11 happened, everybody got mad because Bill Clinton made it to where the agencies, the alphabet agencies couldn't talk to each other. alphabet agency just means three-letter agencies or four-letter agencies that, you know, acronym agencies might be a better way of saying it, but he made it to where they couldn't see. So the FBI, CIA and NSA all knew about these people who were in our country and were doing different things. If they could have coordinated between the three agencies, they would have probably caught this before it happened, but they didn't. It was just like the last time that they tried to blow up the twin towers. People forget that way back. Oh, I don't know, 30 years ago. Or so somebody, they remember when they parked a the truck underneath there and tried to blow up the twin towers. Mm -hmm. We still never got the complete truth about that either. We never seem to get the complete truth about anything anymore. It just seems to be, okay, we're going to tell you this and you're going to believe it. I'm not sure when Americans became so ignorant, you know. Over the years, it seems like the country's become really ignorant. What bothers me more than that is how much the average American lets the media tell them what to think. Oh, yeah, man. I don't care what media branch you watch, um, you, they're the ones telling you what to think. I, I have so many of my friends will quote NBC or CBS or ABC or One American News or Fox. Really? So you can't go out and look at your own research? I mean, this there's independent reporters all over the country, and they're all posting stuff daily. And you can use that and go against whatever you see on national television or, or here on radio. You mean, who are you talking about? Oh, Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity will be the first one to tell you this. I've noticed when uh, Joe in the Mornings asked or when Rachel was asked or or, uh, what's Blondie, you know, with the rich mama. uh, When he was asked, they never said that they were. They always said, well, they're reporters. Okay. Joe in the morning is not a reporter. He's a moron is what he is. He's not a journalist of any kind. He is a host. So Sean Hannity was the first one to step up and say, I'm not a journalist, I'm a host. Because that's what he is. He's a radio show host, actually a television show host as well. So he's bringing these people on to try to get to the truth, but he is a host. He's not a journalist. There, are, there isn't any real news anymore. That's why the UFO thing has such a hard time getting out. Nowadays, it's, it's, it's more of like opinions than real news. Yeah, unless you catch a breaking story at the moment, that's actually when it's news. After that, it just becomes one big opinion. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be Sandy Hook. It, yeah, it could be anything. Anything out there uh, that's going on, it it, it becomes it comes opinions about it. Even like the Sandy Hook, we knew a lot of the the hardcore facts. I go to different stations and hear completely different stories. That were especially in the first couple of weeks. Oh my God, it was it was ridiculous how bad the stories were. And it's not just them. It's it's all kind of other places. Well, what's his name when he went in the movie theater in Colorado and shot it up? Well, the guy who went to Vegas shot it up. All the stories were different. Oh, yeah, the Vegas thing. Oh, he had 10,000 He had ten thousand pounds of ammunition. That's what NBC said. Really? How does Moron get this into the hotel? How do you get it up the elevator, for that matter? I mean, it's, it's just moronic shit they say. It, it, it just is. So how can you expect him to tell us anything? and remember? Anytime NBC, ABC, CBS or any of them hear anything about UFOs or UAPs, they laugh. They think it's stupid. And they think anybody who thinks it's real thinks it's they're stupid. I don't know why. I don't even know why they think we're the only thing in the universe. You know, I asked a couple of big ones. I remember when I asked Mayor de Blasio, do you think there's uh, extraterrestrial life? He said, I damn well believe that could be extraterrestrial life. He said, I have never personally seen it and I can't say that I did. He said, but I can definitely tell you that there's extraterrestrial life in the universe. So he had no problem with it. I asked Rachel Madcow matter. She didn't have any problem with thinking it. Most of the politicians I've talked to over the years and other people, when I ask them individually, they don't have a problem with it. They do believe it's real. But when they all get together, I'm on big mass. All this shit, man. You yap people are stupid. And that's what you get. And it's funny because they always make fun of country people when they do it. Like the only people who see UFOs are out in a country living in a trailer. First off, y'all do know trailers are in the cities too, right? Just in case y'all didn't know that, I thought I'd help y'all with that. And uh, city folk actually see more UFOs than country folk do. Who said, why is that? Because there's more people. Okay, let's say you live out in the country and you've got a house on 20, 30 acres and your next neighbor's 20 or 30 acres and so on and so on. So there may be five people in a 10 block area where here in a 10 block area, there's probably twenty-five thousand people. It's just a big difference in numbers, and um, and why would ET go out to the country when they're not? They're not trying to hide; they're trying to get things done and make assessments and stuff like that. So it makes sense that they would be in the cities. One of my favorite story was um, I can't remember her name now because I'm getting old and senile, but um, was it Landry? No, uh, Carter. No, that was the other one. Uh, anyway, it happened in New York City. She was being abducted. The uh, U.S. ambassador to the U.N. and his two security guards witnessed ha- witness this happening. So they were getting out of the car in front of a, a New York building. And he looked up and as he looked up, he seen this woman floating from her window into the UFO, which was a saucer. He saw it and then both the security guys saw it. The security guys ended up kind of messed up. One of them. Never got back in security again. He just retired after that. He just he just couldn't believe what he saw. He he just kind of flipped out. The other one he wanted to talk about it, but he was told that he couldn't. And I never heard anything else about the ambassador after that. Uh, they made public statements, and then it just went away. It just got whitewashed. Now these are high witnesses. I mean, this is an ambassador from the UN to whatever country he was. These are big time witnesses. I've had lots of policemen see him. Uh, I've had lawyers and politicians see him. But we don't care about them just like we don't care about the guy on the tractor or the guy driving the truck or the policeman doing the beat. We don't care who saw what. So we've got people in in Arizona seeing the same people in New York did who were seeing the same thing in Florida and the same thing in Cali. And then we jump over to Europe and we find out they're seeing the same thing. Like the Black Triangles. The Black Triangles originally started in Belgium, of all places. And they were big and they were being seen on a regular basis just floating over cities. Hanging out. The UN they on two different occasions, the United Nations uh, and NATO scrambled F-16s. Well, Billy, I think that's all they had back then was F-16. We didn't have F-22s and F-35s, I can tell you that. Uh, so anyway, they scrambled these F-16s. The first group came up to it. I still remember the pilot. He says, It's huge. It's as big as a city. He said, Am I do you want me to engage? And you hear like a whisper in the background saying, no, 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 don't engage, don't engage, don't engage. And then he said, well, it's getting close. What do you want us to do? He said, back off, back off. So the F-16s made a bank. And for a minute, according to the witnesses on the ground, the F-16s were held in stasis for a second. He said there was a beam of light, a whitish blue beam of light came out of the, the ship and held all off. There was six of them, all six F-16s, uh, the squadron holding it, just held it there. And then it released it. Now, the pilots um, remember the beam of light, but do not remember being held in stasis. They thought they were still moving. But they got a video of it on the ground where the, the, the crafts are just not moving. There's another one in, um, is in one of the South American countries. Um, they, they put an F-16. It was on an island down there. Uh, this big saucer came out of nowhere. They launched the squadron F-16s. The one F-16 was going to try to engage it, but none of his weapons would work. You, you can hear him clearly on the radio saying, nothing will fire, nothing will fire. And then you heard the guy say, try the machine guns. He said, nothing will fire. And then his his, his plane got into like it was in um, a gravity field. He said, uh, he, all he remembers is like he, he was floating inside his plane. The whole plane was just kind of, it couldn't move anymore. It was just kind of floating like it was in space. And he said he still to this day does not even know what to think about that. So while this is all going on, another group of F-16s came over the top of the mountain and came down on the craft ready to engage. And it was like a flash of light and those F-16s were held in place and then poof, this thing was gone like a door opening and closing. We've got lots of engagements by our pilots all going all the way back since we've been flying. The problem is is none of our pilots have ever had a chance against them. But, and and by saying that no one's ever taken down one of our planes because of it. Star Trek doesn't count there. Okay. Just thought I'd tell you that. (laughs) Whoever wrote that, uh, Star Trek does not count. Yes. I know what episode you're talking about when he comes to earth and yes. And they, and they crash and they break up the plane. That does not count. My friend, that's not real, but it was something along those lines. So, over the last, what have we been flying? Well, we're not going to count dirigibles or or hot ambulance because that goes back to about 18-something. Uh, so let's see, the Wright Brothers, 1900s, uh, real flights, say the 20s, 30s. So we'll just say since 1930 on, we've had real flight in the, in the United States. But yet, somehow or another, we haven't been able to catch. And this is what's so funny about this. When you hear these craft described today, these are the same craft that was being described in World War II and before. There's actually, there's a, a report from the Germans, the Red Baron, and actually given a, a description of a saucer that came up on him. He was actually fired on him. He, he said, and it looked like the bullets melted before they could get to the craft. His words, not mine. Um, now the Germans buried it, but it came out again in the early 80s and then it got buried again, and then it came out in the mid-90s, and then it got buried again, and I'm sure it'll come out again and it'll get buried again. Uh, it's one of those stories you, you don't want to think about because pilots like policemen are very observant. So when they see something, you have to take it to heart what they're seeing. When they tell you they see a giant flying saucer, they're not lying to you. That's what they saw. And when the whole cabin crew says, because there's three in the cabin usually, uh, four sometimes the head is up there, um, well, it depends on the size of the plane, but well, some will have two. Well, pilot co pilot but the big plans have pilot co pilot co-pilot, navigator mm-hmm. on the bigger jets, yeah. well today these damn things can fly themselves. yeah, it's a little bit different today. they can pretty they, they could probably land it and take off by themselves. Well do you really want the jumbo jet landing by itself? But hey, it could probably do it. it.s um but these pilots see these commercial pilots, military pilots, look, I was in the military, I taught and I worked on military jets. I talked to lots of pilots. I, I, not one pilot that I talked to on two different aircraft carriers that I worked on in five different bases ever told me they didn't see a UFO. Not one of them. All of them said they saw something. And they all would tell you the same thing. You'd be cruising along, shh, you're like, you know, maxing out your jet. Guy's talking about, it. He's a, uh, when I was on Nemitz, he was talking about this F 18 he's flying, right? Him and it was a squadron F 18s and a squadron F 14s as a, the 14s were being retired. And they're pushing. Fast as these planes would go, I mean they're going wet well over the, well over the limit, and this thing would dart off, come back, dart off, go underneath them, hover, go up on top of them, hover, dart off, come back, it sounded a lot like the foo fighters. it was just toying with them, and it would make these pilots mad, and then they go to launch a missile, nothing would happen Nah, whatever it was, it just wouldn't happen if they could get a missile launch, it would just go haywire and go somewhere, nowhere around the craft, no. Whatever these things are, their technology far beyond anything on earth. And I love it when I hear a congressman say, well, that has to be a Chinese craft. Really? Well, buddy, if there's a Chinese craft, we're in deep dog shit. I mean, America is in deep crap. We're supposed to be 50 to 75 years ahead of China. If that's the case, we're like 500 years behind them. Mm, I know. So, well, we know they're not Chinese, but uh, we don't know what they are. But the governments don't want to admit That they don't know what they are. The government needs to have control here. And the government needs to be the one that says, well, um, um, yes, that's a Chinese craft. Really? Well, prove it to me. Hey, Xi Jinping, can I come see your new secret aircraft? Man, I'd like to take a look around, see these things that we call UFOs. Xi Jinping, what the hell are you talking about? We thought they were yours. And I'm sure our enemies get a joke, a a chuckle out of when they find that it's not ours. Well, they could be lying. government could lie a lot about a lot of things. Yeah, they don't... It just... But when you see these things go into space and come back, uh, Elon Musk can do that, and he's got to do it with a rocket. We don't have any space planes that can do that yet. Um, unless you want to count the Aurora. The Aurora and the um, TR-3Bs are both supposed to be able to go out of the atmosphere and back into the atmosphere. At speeds well over Mach twenty-five. I don't know if it's true. I can tell you this: I was in Stevensville about a decade ago. Um, Paula Harris was doing a all-women's conference. So I just wanted to go check out a lot of the females speaking there. Were friends of mine, so I wanted to go check them out, hang out, and talk with them. And you know, I wasn't speaking at the conference; I was just there as press. So you know, I show up. I'm talking to all them. So the the next night. They had a big barn fire out on the, on the property where these people had seen this thing. And uh, so we all went out there, everybody had a couple of beers and I had a friend of mine, Joe Renard. I give him the camera, the movie camera, because for some reason people just ignore him, not because they're being mean or anything. He's, he's like stealth. The, the boy is just stealthy, man. He, he gets in the middle of conversations, camera running. You're kind of like, where's the camera? Oh, it's right here, Joe, shut up. And, uh, You know, he's just really stealthy and he got some really good conversations. But anyway, I'm sitting there talking to two of the head witnesses. So I'm asking questions that obviously MUFON didn't ask. Yeah, MUFON, not MUFON. They didn't ask. So I said, you know, give me a good description of the craft. And he says, you know, there was chase planes. I'm like, well, what do you mean there were chase planes? He said, yeah, you know, them little planes, NASA flies next to everything and shuttle. He said there was those. Okay. Chase planes suggest they were ours. Because, one, chase planes aren't the fastest planes we have, and they're not armed. So not sure if we would actually send them out to meet a UFO. So then he says, as this big, huge thing comes over him, it's huge, it's big, rounded, huge, and long. It's like a, it's like a big triangle with a big, rounded nose. And anyway, he says, as it passes over, you can see, look at this, rivets. Okay. I've never heard of any alien craft with rivets on it. Because I don't think you'll be able to go any kind of speeds with real ribbons. And so ribbons would probably tear apart. Uh, you could probably do Mach 50 maybe. But anything more than that, you're gonna, it's going to have to be contained, a self-contained craft. So he starts talking about ribbons. So as the thing's charging up, so it's, it's coming over at a decent speed. He says, as it starts to pass, he noticed there was eight rows and eight rows of engine lights. He said, no, engines back. So there were 16 of these things. He said they were, they were glowing red and he says, you could see, hear this weird noise and they started getting to this white color and poof, the damn thing was gone. Not that you could still see it, but it was streaking off. Okay. We've heard about these before. It's not the first time we've heard about these Ram scoop uh, and these uh, well, they got a gravity type drive, a magnetic type drive, Ram scoop drives, there's a couple of them out there. And we had heard about these over the years and we heard about these engines. So when I heard about the engine, I knew it was ours. I when I heard about the rivets, I knew it was IZU. So I called a friend of mine over at Boeing in California. She's in charge of uh, security for the scientists. And yes, I, can, I can't give you a name, but I can tell you a little about her because we both have really high security clearances. So I call her up. I said, "Here, I want to play some tape back to you. So I'm playing it to her and she's just listening. It's, just, it's probably nine months, not at 10 o'clock my time. It's probably eight o'clock her time. She's listening to him. She goes, well, I know what that is. He said, that's one of our flights. She said, it's the Aurora. She said, hold on, hold on. When, when did this happen? I told her when it happened. She comes back, yeah. She said it was it was flying out. It was over, going in between the nuclear power plant, and I forgot what else. She said, out by George Bush's ranch. She said, you know there was a squadron F-16s at night, and they never went to go check it out. So I checked into it. There was a flight of F-16s, a large squadron uh, that could have been detoured there, because this thing was headed towards George Bush's ranch, uh, Junior, sorry. And it was headed towards his ranch. But for some reason, they did not send the F-16s there. Well, I guess not because it was our craft, our testing. And when you trace it back, she told me, she said, trace it back to California. And you'll find out it only flew over no-fly zones. Everywhere this thing had been seen was a no-fly zone. Well, where we were at in Stevensville, it's a no-fly zone because there's a nuclear power plant. there. It's a dual-reactor nuclear power plant there. So it's a no-fly zone there. Yeah, most nuclear power plants within uh, usually 50 to 75 miles, it's a no-fly zone. Sometimes it's more than that, depending on what kind of planet it is. But when you track back, it flew over Area 51. It flew over. It flew over several bases. It flew over Los Alamos. These are all places it's a no-fly zone. So it's the same places the X-117s were being seen when they were being built, and then uh, and then these TR-3Bs are also being seen in these areas. So that's why when I, I talked to Senator McDonald at the time, and he asked me about, it. I said, "No, they're eyes, and you can tell because of where they're being seen." Because aliens aren't going to necessarily really care if it's a no-fly zone or not, unless they're looking at something particular. They don't care. We've seen them everywhere. Non-fly zones, fly zones. It doesn't really seem to matter to them. They seem to go wherever the hell they want to. Mm, I know. So, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena is just a joke, just like UFO is. And trying to say that it's not alien without actually getting your hands on one sounds ignorant. Again, America, you're letting people make you look ignorant because you're not doing anything about it. You, you don't really, They don't really care. I mean, you don't personally care. You're like, well, it's no big deal. Government said it ain't ours. Why should we worry about it? Well, anytime the government says it ain't ours, you should double up worry about it. Well, because one, if it's not ours, then it means it's Russian or Chinese. And do you really want to think of a Russians or the Chinese having that kind of technology? I mean, come on, Really? Uh, I don't want to think about that. I definitely don't want to think about that. Uh, it's just something I don't want to think about. I don't want to think about the Russians and Chinese having technology that much more advanced than ours are. My point exactly Well I don't, I don't, it's just one of them things I don't want, I don't want to think that the government actually has that kind of technology. Our government fine. The other governments, not so much. I don't want to think about another government having technologies like that. That just scares the bejesus out of me. Oh, hold on, I'll do it. Hold on. This is uh for people who are on Skype. So, I mean, on Streamyard, you can add enhanced music to your. So hear it back there. Yes. But we really don't care about that, do we guys? No. I was just showing that to somebody who had just asked. Don't forget tonight, following this show, there is the outer realm with Michelle De Roche Amelia's on out right now. I don't want to say she's on vacation. Her family's going through some stuff. And uh, if you know her, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, maybe it's not your business. But well, no, she's she said it on air. Uh, but anyway. Getting back to what we were talking about, so a lot of times it's going to be ours. A lot of times when you hear a UFO, a, a, a United—I mean, a unidentified aerial phenomena—it's ours. It's not the aliens. It's not the Russians. It's not the Chinese. It's ours. Uh, I don't know if y'all remember Case. Uh, was it? Case Landry. Oh, um, I think that's what it was. Anyway, there was a family in Texas, and they were driving down a highway when this. Massive UFO thing with flames and shit coming out all over the sides of it and stuff come come right over the car. And following it was a whole bunch of helicopters and jets, um, Would suggest it was something we were testing. Well, a couple of things happened. One, it melted the asphalt as it went by, blew out the tires. Uh, one of the women got severe cancer. They all had radiation burns. Um, yes, but it wasn't an alien. It was ours. Well, I've heard about people being underneath UFOs and never get cancer or get any kind of burns. Every now and then, we we have We have seen people get moon burns from a UFO from getting too close to it, uh, which would probably suggest that the drive was on. Mm-hmm. I don't know about all of that. It's um. Well, a lot of stuff is just going to be ours because we need see using it as a UFO is a good thing. The government can say, oh, well, that was a UFO. That's an unidentified flying algebra. That was an uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, which means they don't have to tell you what it is. You just gave them an out. Yeah, you just gave them an out. They're like, oh, uh, I, what, what is it? Oh, I, yeah, you gave them an out. They're just saying it's a UFO, and then they're going on from that. They don't care if you know the truth or not. Um, I'm with you on that. But you still have to get the government to tell you the truth, and they don't want to. They have no need to tell you the truth. It works too good to hide their projects by calling them aerial phenomena or UFOs, because anything can be that. They're like, well, you know, we were working on this project. Somebody's seen it. Oh, it was a UFO. And then it's not them that call it that. They wait till you do it or the newspaper does it. And then they just go along with it. I don't make the rules, friends, but the government's not stupid. It's like, well, we're going to take a little short break in a second, but when we come back to break, we're going to talk about counter mutilations and how the two are kind of alike, how the government uses these things to do projects that you would think they make us think is alien or UFO, but these projects are really the government's projects. Like again, like I said, I don't don't necessarily, (laughs) don't be a butthole. Well, I don't make the government do anything. I wish I could make the government do anything. I tell them give me a couple million dollars, mm-hmm. but I don't really think they give a shit about my opinion that much. The only time they seem to get mad at me is when I strike a nerve on one particular subject or another. But hold on a second, we got to go take a quick break. So where is this at? Where is this at?
0: she went to the UFO Undercover, with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Welcome to UFO Undercover, with your host, Joe Montaldo.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody. It was a little short break there. Uh, That song you heard, Show Yourself, that's actually written about alien abductions. It was written a long time ago by one of our regular listeners to the network and a friend of ours, David. Yes, and yeah, I haven't dated from David for a long time. His wife had passed away and he just um, disappeared. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I've tried reaching out to him, but he just disappeared. It's one of them things. (laughs) Uh, But life is like that sometimes. But that was what it was written for. It's about alien abduction. Um, that's what the show, show was on the, oh you mean the intro song no, the intro song was um, was a gag is what it was originally uh, a regular listener to Net- network Ian I heard me talking about that on Wake Up USA and you know he, he he heard me talking about this particular thing that had happened so he wrote this song about it being trying to be an ass to me because he didn't like what I was saying I guess and when I heard it everybody thought I was going to get mad there's a big group in the chat room that night, about 200 people. And everybody thought I was going to get mad and I couldn't help myself. I was laughing my ass off. It was just too funny. It was a great song. So I, I actually wrote to him and said, can I use it as an intro? And he was like, what? I would have never thought you had a sense of humor, Joe. And I said, well, I have a big sense. Of he said, well, I see that. So ever since then, it has been the official opening song for UFO on the cover now for almost 20 years. Uh, it's a great song. It's a lot of fun to listen to. And then this other one was actually designed to be a closing song, which you'll hear again at the end of the show. But uh, we we'll use it for breaks sometime. Show yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, we just didn't want to get any perverse, get any ideas or something. <laughs> just decent, not just decent. But uh, getting back to what we we're talking about, so the government uses a lot of stuff, uh, uh, a lot of the media and people to hide their own stuff. And what I mean by that is. So the government, you know, are, are testing new products or new planes or stuff like that, really new designs and things like that that they're, they're testing out. And they're seeing, well, we don't want our enemies to know about it. So we just say, oh, they say, oh, it's a UFO. Well, we just go along with, I should say, they just go along with the fact that it's a UFO, even though it's our our project. And, and along with that is cattle mutilations. Oh, I get in trouble for this all the time, but <clears throat> cattle mutilations are not done by extraterrestrials. I'm sorry, and I don't want to break y'all's heart, but they're not done by extraterrestrials. First off, no one ever can give me a reason why an ET wanted to probe a cow. I've asked. I've asked Linda Moulton how. I've asked every researcher in the field. Nobody can come up with a reason. I also asked how come so many helicopters, black helicopters, silent helicopters, were seen in the areas, and why sled marks were seen in the ground where a helicopter had landed. So... A uh, good friend of mine got me into this. He said, you got to check this out. You got to check this out. I started getting into it. And the more I got into it, the more I realized this wasn't alien. So I was talking with a group of ranchers. I was in New Mexico. And I was, um, and it was at a, um I forgot what it's called, but it was, it was a cattle. I forgot what the hell they called. it. But anyway, it was a big group of people, a bunch of ranchers there. And uh, while I was asked, I asked for 15 minutes on a stage. And I had asked, uh, have any of y'all experienced cattle mutilations? About two dozen ranchers in this place did. I said, can I speak with y'all after the show? And they're like, sure. So I meet with these people. Um, we went and had, a, we got a dinner and uh, we sat down at a really great steak restaurant. And I said, look, I'll buy y'all all dinner. The guy's like, no, 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 we'll do it. And, you know, we're cattle ranchers. I said, whatever. So I started asking them about it. I said, so let me ask you about these mutilations. What's going on? And they said, oh, well, they're bloodless. Uh, they, whatever this is, seems to be silent. Even though I think I've seen a helicopter once or twice. And this went across them. So I said, um, so let me ask you another question. I said, are your cows insured? Are you losing anything? And all of them said, no, our cows are insured. Now, these are ranchers. I noticed this never happens to the, the little cattle, the little cattle guy, the guy with 50 acres and 10 cows. It never seems to happen to them. It always seems to happen on these big, sprawling ranches. So I said, so they all, I, so to date, I have talked to 100, over 100 ranches that own cows that had cattle mutilations. All of them had been insured. I said, well, that's kind of unique. You know, You so you're not. He said, as long as we got the caucus, we can collect on insurance. So E.T. wouldn't know that. So E.T. might have took the caucus. E.T. wouldn't know that. And why would E.T. care if the cows were insured? But the government would. Because the government knows if the cows are insured, they're not going to make a big stink out of it because they're going to get their three to $5,000 for their cows. And there's no reason to make a big stink because remember, the way the cattle people were making a big stink about it, it was people in the, in the UFO field thought they had latched on to something and weren't making a big deal of it. So let me clarify some rumors. There really has been no cattle mutilations east of the Mississippi River. Yeah, they said one, two, or three, but there's a lot of cows east of the Mississippi River, but there has been no major mutilations. The only one we found was in Brazil, out the country. We found out later on that it was a general faking it. He, he actually hid the cows in a water tower so he could take him out and and collect his money on him from time to time. Oh yeah. It's a real story. You don't have to take my word for it. Uh, so he was found out to be a liar. So really the cattle mutilations happened from this side of California all the way to into Texas. Well, I did find out something interesting about these areas where these cattle ranches live. Okay. Um, they were nuclear bombs tested nearby. Within 100 miles of every cattle mutilation, there had been at least one or more nuclear weapons tested. Oh, yeah, this is a fact. You don't have to take my word for it. I actually did a map on it, the whole nine yards. So I got to thinking, I, I went and talked to a couple of doctors that I knew, and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, if, if a cow was exposed to radiation, where would it show up first? So he, he got a diagram of a cow. And then he took it and he circled all the places that it would be. So I called a friend of mine who had cattle. I, I, I sent him over, uh, emailed him this. I said, look, match this to your cattle mutilation. He said, match is perfect. He said, did you take? I said, no. I said, this is where the doctor said that all, if, he, if a cow had radiation, this is where it would show up in abundance first. Awful coincidental that every piece that was moved is where the radiation would show up to, at, at the fastest. So I got to thinking this was an easy way for the government to check the radiation in the areas, without stirring a big stirrup, and let the cattle me, cattle people get their money back for their cows, and it didn't even come out of their pockets. So this didn't cost the government anything. The government could check, take these cows, and I remember Linda Moulton told me, "Oh, they could never suck the blood out of no way, not that fast." I said, "Girl, obviously you don't know anything." I said, "Since the '60s, we've had field lasers and field vacuum pumps." I said, please do not talk about stuff you do not know about, and uh, because it's true, you you could they could, they could suck a blood out of a cow now in under two minutes. Uh, if they wanted to bring a big vacuum pump, they could do it faster than that. Yeah, it's not a big deal. They could just cut it in a jug, and suck it dry. And as far as laser scalpels, we've had them for a long, long time. Now, granted, the ones they had in the '60s and '70s had used batteries going to them, uh, but we still had them. So And besides, the majority of the counter-mutilations happen later anyway, more in the 80s, 90s, and 2000, and really not so much in the 2000s, really in the 80s and 90s. So why, why did they stop or slow down? Because the radiation in these areas where they had been tested for decades has now diminished somewhat, so there's no need to test them. The reason this program was started is because there were lots and lots and lots of underground nukes d- discharged. So then the government got to thinking, oh, shit. This might get in the food chain and the water supply. We really need to check on this because if it gets into the citizens, it's going to be a major lawsuit and a major problem. So they figured this was an easy way of testing for this without alarming you or I that there might be radiation in the area. I thought it was very slick. So I I remember the first show I introduced this on, I could not get it through the whole show. The show kept going down every eight minutes. We just blink and it would come back up, blink. It would go back down. And I was talking to my producer. He's like, I don't know what the hell is going on. People were calling in, getting thrown off the lines. It was crazy. It was a crazy night. And then uh, the guy I used to call, Fred, comes on the line. and said, we're not going to let you talk about it, Joe. So we had a guy uh, until recently, um, Anytime we had an inbound line or we were doing radio, we had a little red light that would come on that would let us know there was an open line going through his system. Yeah. An open line, which means somebody was listening. So through all the wake up USA shows and more than half of the UFO and the cover shows, this was going on. So after a while, I would just start saying, Hey, I know you're listening. You can ask Alfred Weber. He was on one night. I'm like, I know you're listening. We got some questions for you. The guy came on and started talking to us and nobody could backtrace him because he wasn't in our system. It was very weird. So anyway, the guy called Freddie comes on at night and said, we're not going to let you talk about this. Um, not right now, anyway. So I kept talking and talking and talking. And probably after about a decade, they kind of eased off and let me talk about it. But it was the same thing with the alien agenda. I, I got I got my life threatened. I got not just my lack i my freaking fin- You know, to be truthful about this, they never threatened my life. They threatened my wife's life and my kid's life and my grandkids' life and my son's life and all kinds of stuff. The, the thing was, I still remember this guy. He said, you're on road all the time. It'd be nothing for an 18-wheeler just to run y'all off a bridge down there in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. He said, we know where you go. And to make his point, because he came out to a job site to talk to him, and this was witnessed by 20 other people. They came out to a job site to make a point. And while they were there, they told me where my wife was, what she was wearing, and what she was doing. She was actually at a doctor's visit. And he told me where my son was, what school he was, what he was wearing, and what he was having for lunch at the moment we were talking. Yeah, that's pretty scary shit, man. That's letting you know that they know exactly what's going on in your life and taking you out won't be anything. Uh, So I I was just kind of like, well, and then, you know, and I had Alfred Weber on. We were talking alien agenda. And man, not only was our systems going down, both our systems. But everyone listening to the show that night were calling in and saying, our internet keeps going down. How the hell is that even possible? And this was in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, that technology is something that may exist today. I, I don't know how they were doing it, but they were seriously taking down everybody's internet that was listening to the show that night. Then there was nights like that. And then there were other nights where, you know, other weird stuff went on. But And then I started this thing, what question do you have for us, Mr. Government? I'm not kidding y'all. I said, I know you're listening tonight. I can see the little red light. You're listening. What do you want to know? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? So then they would start coming on the air and asking us questions. Oh, it was insane. It, those those episodes, some of them are available. Some of them are not. Jeffrey won't let me have, he only gave me half of them. the ones I recorded. The other half he still owns. And I asked him to sell them to him, and he won't. He won't even talk to me really, but yeah, life's a beach. And then you got to get sand in your crack, but that's how it happens sometimes. But what I mean by this is, you know, when you take the Stevensville case and you take the and you you take the cattle mutilations, these are things that our government was doing and using the disguise of aliens to do them. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I remember Linda Moha cussing me one night. She's like, oh, they can't, they got this sack around the heart, and there's no way the government can just take that and remove it. Really? How do you know that? Have you ever seen the government do it or not? Don't don't try to say that because some dumb doctor you hired for five dollars an hour told you it's possible because when i checked into it doctor said it was no big deal to remove the heart with the sack around it oh yeah so i was kind of like oh really and they're like yeah i don't know who told you that so just take a laser right here where it connects to this part and just this it, and you got it and i was like what so after hearing that i was kind of like well whoever just sent me that believe it or not i'm one of the few ufologists who actually uses real research, real scientists, real doctors. Over the years, I've used many of them, just like with the blood type study I've used. I have, I've actually done more work with at least 25 different hematologists over the blood type study. I started out with three, and since, and since then I, and I do, any chance I get, you have to remember, iCars is not like on. We're privately funded, and when we get into certain pro- projects, people donate a decent amount of money or help take over the projects, because they might be involved in this area in science or this area in science and want to get involved in it, because they're hearing things that they can't hear anywhere else. And it's things to them that are making sense that the government or MUFON don't want to talk about. MUFON didn't even talk about alien inductions until we got into it. Uh, Walt Anders, I remember when he left um, MUFON and joined ICAR, he did it on Wake Up USA, and we were talking about it. And it was because when it came to alien inductions, they don't want to talk about. It. Look, they wouldn't even speak to me for a year because of an incident that happened to Linda and I that was probably Milab. and they wouldn't even talk to us about it. Yet it was scared of. It. And then all of a sudden, I think it was in the late early two thousands, they started the star program with no researchers at all. None. Nobody. Nobody has a researcher. Ass from a hole in the ground. No one. They don't even have near the cases we did. We took all their original cases, so I know they ain't got done and there's no way they've even gotten five or 6,000 cases since then. We're sitting in the freaking 87 90,000 range now. It's just a difference, because one of the things I learned as we got involved more and more in this, more and more researchers and assistants started getting into states, but that's not where we found so many of them. So um, when the... Brazilian organization joined, they joined with 5,500 cases already under their belt. When the Madrid, or I think it was actually more like 7,500, when the Madrid organization joined, they were about 6,500. We had three different groups in India join with more than 20,000 cases. And we had already done, I think, 10 by that time ourselves. So you're already at 40,000. And that was like in 2008 or something, 2000, What even now it's 2006. Since then, worldwide, we're dumping cases left and right. Because we're a true worldwide organization. Just in India, I think we have 11 or 12 directors now. We have directors in China, even though it's a little harder there. Uh, well, they're restricted to some of the stuff they can send us. Mm. China probably wants to know what it is. Uh, would they offer me a job? if Yeah, if I'd moved to China, they probably would. And learn Mandarin. I only know a couple of words in Mandarin and two of them. You can't even say in polite company. <laughs> yeah. Some of them, some of them you can. I've been learning things like hello. And I was watching the other day on TikTok to go. F you f you. She was saying a whole word. And then she would say underneath it how to say it. I was like, well, look at this. I just learned a new word. <laughs> Not really a good word, but still. Hey, I can't help it. You know, Chinese curse too. No, I just thought it was funny. It's uh but the point being, guys, is the YAP stuff is so they can cover up stuff. They're trying to tell you, oh, look, we're going to investigate uh, 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 aerial phenomena, man. Yeah, unidentified aerial phenomena. Look, we're going to – and we're showing you TikTok video. TikTok video of what? It's, a, it's actually TikTok video, but it's still TikTok video. But <laughs> Of what? Some glowing weird thing flying in front? What the hell is that? You don't know what it is. What do you expect us to know about it? And just because it's unidentified by some pilot doesn't mean the government didn't know what it was. you got to remember, not all pilots have the security clearance to know what they've seen. They may have seen something that was ours and not had any... Well, we've built UFO-shaped stuff. I should say saucer-shaped stuff. So as a German, so as a Russian, so as a Chinese, quite a few countries have built uh, UFO-shaped stuff because it's a great design if you can get it to work. Well, building an alien... I mean, building a spacecraft that can traverse deep space okay first off there's not going to be any rivets you'll have to be molded out of one piece um yes maybe you have to heat it up but it, because it has to be able to resist things like micrometeorites at the speed of light or faster just think at half just think at a quarter light speed what a micrometeorite 0.5 millimeters would rip through one of our craft like it's nothing would disintegrate it yeah like all them rivets it would just rip through that steel steel not going to keep you from uh-uh I don't know if we have anything on a planet strong enough to go in that kind of those kind of speeds. What a diamond spacecraft! Well, that would be interesting. But even a diamond, if it hit one of the facets right, it would shatter. Yeah, for all the diamond strength and steel, I mean, as strong as it is, there is certain spots you can hit it, which just makes it break. Mm-hmm. That's why there's diamond cutters out there. So, yeah, I don't know if it would actually work either. I guess you could take, you could figure out a way to get a, a huge piece of coal and then mold it into one big diamond. I don't think that's the way we're going to go. It's going to probably be materials we haven't thought of yet or things like that. They're probably not going to be anything steel-related like that. there will be some kind of composite material. Well, it always cracks me up when people talk about Roswell because a spaceship that can travel interstellar space or go through wormholes is not going to break up an impact. It might embed itself into the dirt. It might skip across, but it's not going to break up an impact. You ever see some meteorites that hit our planet do not break up because of the, uh, I forgot what it's something iron core. It's not going to break up. It's just going to impact and the core is going to stay solid. Even as hot as it is, even as fast as it's moving, it's still not going to break up. Well, any craft designed to traverse wormholes or traverse deep space is not going to break up an impact. you do not take my word for it. You can ask any science you want to. Any craft that's going to be able to do these things will will be made out of a material that will not break up on impact. I mean, not unless it you were going so fast, it was like going through a planet or I something. Even then, it might not break up. Um, now, Roswell, to me, I thought was funny because, again, they should have never let me into the field. I rewrote like five of the cases my first 10 years in the field, which got me in so much trouble. You know, you heard me talking about um, catamulations just now. I got in trouble for rewriting the Betty and Barney Hill case because it was wrong, and, and we had more research now than they had back then. You know, so different things like that. They they just don't want your Roswell. I rewrote Roswell because it wasn't true. The whole thing was a lie. Um, if there was something that broke up an impact, it was probably either some type of scout craft. More than likely, it was an escape craft because. There was a secondary crash in Corona, New Mexico where they said they found a large ship intact with four bodies that looked kind of melted outside of it, like they had been exposed to an normally high amount of radiation, but they were human in shape and size, meaning like us. But the craft found uh, Mac Rawell's ranch was not a saucer. Remember everybody who said they'd seen a saucer every fifty one said it was intact, including crazy Bob Lazar said it was intact it, it wasn't damaged. Uh, out, outside at all. Now they may be damaged inside because of the impact, but outside it wasn't damaged. So that means whatever we found at McBassel's Ranch was more than likely an escape pod where the greys jumped in it because the humans didn't know what the hell they were doing and the humans were crashing a craft and they escaped that way. And then when it hit the ground, it, it you know broke up. That actually makes sense. The fact that the greys didn't come get their people, that didn't make any sense. The Graves at any time could remove their people and their craft without any any of the alien could remove their craft and people without any resistance from us whatsoever. So if they didn't do it, that suggests some reason they wanted us to have it. So this is what I find interesting. The big crafts, we've never been able to learn anything from whatever, however, they work or drive. We've got to understand that we don't know how to fly them, we can't fly them, we don't have the, the psychic abilities to fly a great craft. And the reptilians and humans' craft are, are still just above our, our understanding. But the um, escape craft was different, it broke up, so we were able to salvage materials and technologies from it. So I still remember this. The Roswell newspaper had put out. A couple of days later, things that, that had been pictured that had been found. They had this crumpled up stuff that looked like aircraft aluminum, something that all of our aircraft use today. That's a, this looked like a type of titanium alloy mixed with aluminum that could expand and pop back and go back on its own in size. There was what we would consider fiber optics today. There was these stringy things with light moving through them and pieces of them hanging out, which is something we actually use today. Also, we use microchips today. They had a picture of of about a microchip about this big, which it probably we didn't actually even get to see these until mid-2000s. So it does look like we did retrieve some technologies from there. Uh, We learned about these things, and it looks like we did retrieve some technologies. We didn't retrieve anything from the big craft. We still have and We still can't fly it. It's beyond our our understanding. Uh, Besides, the grays meld with their craft. I don't think humans have gotten to that Point in our evolution yet, yeah. They're like they become one with their craft. It's really strange. Uh, they they control it through psychic abilities, and they're actually the the somehow or another the craft the craft. So first off, the Gray's craft are alive. They're not dead. Uh, they're made out of some material that's grown. It's not built. It's a grown material, and the, it picks the, the the driver. So there's always three drivers, and then there's whatever crew that's on board. Um, and when these drivers get in these slots, they meld with the ship. It's like their DNA and its DNA combined. And that's how they control the craft. Well, we just, we're just nowhere near that evolution technology. Reptilians and humans' crafts are different. They're still click and flick like ours, but they're click and flicking a much different – first off, there's no wires anywhere. There's none of that. Well, I've got lots of people who've been on board the ships. They just – and see, that's why we, a lot of stuff we keep secret to ourselves because it's the only way we know when people are telling us the truth. What I mean by that, is, so we get 50 people who come in or 100 people come in. It's, that's how we found out that, that the grays melded with their shit. We had over 500 different people talk about this. And at the time, it hadn't been made public. It was only made public a decade ago. Uh, for two decades before that, it wasn't public information. It's like some of the stuff in the blood type. So a lot of the stuff we have today, and even today, there's still at least 40 or 45% of ICAR's abduction criteria is still not public. Because we need a way to, to know who's lying and telling the truth. Mufon, Mufon's a joke. Look, I, I don't want to hate on Mufon. A good friend of mine asked me not to destroy him because back about 10 years ago, I had them stepped out. They were gone. I was, I was wiping them out. Um, I mean, they were gone. I, I had even all that. You, you follow just hating on them. They were just on their way out. There was nothing they could do about it. They couldn't stop it. And the good friend of mine who passed away, DeAndre, called me up one evening and she said, Joe, I really like Mufon. Stop it. And she was my national director at the time for um, ICAR. And I was like, and my uh, resident uh, Roswell expert. I used to fight with her all the time about Roswell. And uh, I actually still miss her. But um, she just asked me to stop. So I stopped. I just, matter of fact, I even kind of sort of semi-retired. Not retired, but took myself out of the limelight for about four or five years. Well, that's the only way I could do it because if I stayed in the limelight, I was still going to keep hating. So I stepped out. Well, they're not that hard to destroy because they're funky, funky monkey organization. So John Slusser, uh, he worked in black ops. He wasn't working for the government. Well, he worked for the government as a contractor, but very high black ops. James, uh, what's his name? Um, the other two that followed directly behind him. One was a code translator for the government's high black ops. And the other one was black ops. So he had three black ops people running MUFON, And I don't know the new guy. I haven't done any research into him. I didn't see any need to re- research into him. So MUFON has been infiltrated. And it still is infiltrated because some of them guys still work there. Yeah, they've been infiltrated. They're never going to become anything that's going to tell us the truth. And like I told Stephen Bissett, if you want to get to the truth, it's not lights in the sky, my friend. It's contact on the ground. And that's the truth of it. Chasing lights in sky will never get you the truth. But talking to contactees will, as long as they're real ones. What do you mean do I disagree with Steven? Well, just on that one fact, I love Steven. He, Steven, Steven helped me get in the field in, in a major way. So he will always be, have a special spot in my heart, I guess you could say. But, um, oh, yeah, I spoke at a couple of X conferences, worked press at a couple of X conferences, he did the best conference of any conference I've ever gone to. The X conference was so above anything else. Um, he expected you to dress nice, look nice, speak nice, have your shit together. You know, he was doing it at the Washington Press Club where the big press was coming. He wasn't playing. He wanted the truth. But you can't get to it chasing lights in the sky. That's not going to get it to you. Chasing lights in the sky will give you a headache. It's a lot of fun, but it'll give you a headache. Only only two people can give three people can give you the truth. The aliens the contactees, and any government agency that may have been in contact with the aliens or the contactees. Remember, as far as the aliens are concerned, disclosures already happened. They don't care about the rest of y'all. They only care about the contactees and abduction group, which is however big it is, that's the group they care about. They've disclosed to them, and and that's who they're worried about. The rest of y'all are cannon fodder, to to say the best. They don't really care about the rest of the humans on this planet. For whatever reason... Either y'all don't carry the gene or you're not... They just, they're just, just not worried about y'all. Maybe it's because we let the planet get so crappy they just figure we deserve whatever's coming except for the abductees, contactees. Yeah, except for them. The rest of them, they don't care, though. Mark, don't get mad at me. I'm not an alien. If I was, I'd be a trillionaire. I'd make Elon Musk look like he was standing still. Elon might be an alien. billion. How can you lose $200 billion and still be the second richest man in the world? I mean, Jesus. Who's first? I think Jeff is first now. Bezos. I'd have to go check, to be honest. I'm not sure. I haven't looked in in a couple of weeks. Elon? I got a man crush on Elon. Elon is a sexy beast, man. What are you talking about? I wish he could be president. But he can't. highest he can ever go is... is, uh, He can't even be Speaker of the House. Mm-mm. Because Speaker of the House is third in control. If something happens to the president and vice president, yeah, he can't even be Speaker of the House, but he could be a senator or a congressman all day long. He don't want to be. He's trying to help. He he is like a couple of other people. He wants the truth out, and he is he is putting. I'm 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 scared somebody gonna kill a man. Um, he is putting the truth out everywhere, and he needed to be out because Twitter and 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 Facebook had lost their minds. I mean, they were just. And the FBI had lost their minds. They were just left and right, left and right, sanctioning people, you know, shadow banning people that needed to come out. I agree, Christopher. Most of the liberals probably still don't believe it. Even though Twitter was their favorite place to go, they probably still don't believe it. Oh, you mean they still don't don't lie. Don't let them lie to you. Everybody's still using Twitter. It's just more fun now. Yeah. I don't know. I applied. I don't know how to apply to get, I got, I found two of my accounts. But I don't know how to apply to get them back. <clears throat> yeah, one of them had hundred thousand people when I got the bond. I got you know, no, I got banned for posting archives. That's what I got banned for. Yeah, it wasn't nothing else. But you know, a lot of archives contain stuff that was probably eating irritating anybody on Twitter. Yeah, who, who cares? But getting back to what we we're talking about, there are several cases when I came in the field, I rewrote because, and I don't want to say I. I had a lot of help from different members in ICAR. When I'd get a hair at my ass, I'd go have a, a, an ICAR meeting, a director's meeting and say, look, I'm working on this. I need help. And I'd, I'd get a dozen, two dozen directors and say, okay, let's get this rolling. <laughs> and next thing I know, there'd be information coming in from everywhere. It's like we got a show coming up on, what is it? Um, uh, I always want to say Blayontiago. I'm saying it wrong. But anyway, we got a show, you know, where the teddy bears were all dressed up like. <laughs> anyway, we got a show coming up on January 20th. Well, I asked three people to send me information. One of them was a good, dear friend of mine, Amelia. I've got I've got a six-mile-long text just with her alone, and the other two have sent me almost the same amount. So when I tell you we do research, we do research. We don't play around. We don't bullshit around. We're looking for the truth, truth. I didn't get into this because I wanted to make money. Jesus Christ, you know how much this, this has cost me in money? I could actually be, I hate to even say this, I'm lucky I'm not divorced. I could actually be retired. Just what I spent getting an iCar up and running and getting the United Public Radio up and running or UFO Paranormal Radio, I could have retired. The first year of the radio station, I spent a quarter million dollars. Uh, oh, yeah. And then quite a bit after that. Well, I, was, I call it Katrina money because we were making big money at the time, but... The problem being is between the two organizations, I have literally spent a lot of money, way more than enough for me to be retired right now. I'm 59, 50, yeah, 59 years old. I could be retired sitting on my ass doing nothing. Just having bank accounts with money in them. Yes, it's, it's, in a way it's stupidity to me, but I have learned so much. There's so many things that I know now that I didn't know. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, actually, you know, Reed, we're going to get ready. We're getting ready to open. Up. Oh, by the way, let me say that right now. I think it's January 7th, January 7th, 8th or 9th. Our new Roku channel will be coming up. Yes, we will be on TV now on Roku. Uh, now, let me tell you what the station's looking. Uh, matter of fact, too, our daytime slots in a station have opened up now. Some of them are free. Some of them cost. But we have lots of space now. Uh, Michelle DeRocci is in charge. She's the station manager. Also, the ROCO will be with a fee. It's going to either be 50 or $75 a person but, or show, but uh, it'll be well worth it. Uh, we've learned a lot. Plus, we'll be able to do pay-for-view, pay for listen with particular shows where we're doing a lot of research. So there actually will be places in for people to have a chance to make money and uh, actually get the research done. Look, I have no problem with people making a little profit while we're doing research. But I want the truth. I didn't, I didn't spend almost 40 years of my life in this not to be looking for the truth. Okay. I could have done anything. I could have used this. I could have just invested this money <clears throat> and be sitting really pretty right now. It's just, I want the truth and I will keep spending this amount of money as long as I have it to get to the truth. Well, I'm getting older now and it's hard to make the kind of money I do, but I'm looking for the truth and I'm willing to share most of it. I can't share all of it. Cause like I said earlier, if I share all of it, I'll never know who's lying to me and who's telling me the truth. We've already shared more than 55% of our abduction criteria, which no one else has ever done that. And what's funny about this is how much of my research that's moved by MUFON and free and all the rest of these organizations, but they don't give us credit for it. You know, you got to wonder, look, people, we don't mind you using it. That's what it's out there for. But at least say, I'd say, thank you, I You you going to say, thank you, Joe. I know I'm arrogant and egotistical. I can piss people off. But at least, I mean, there's a lot of people that have worked on this over the years. Give them credit. That's all I'm asking. You don't. You don't have to give me credit. But at least give them credit. It's uh. But anyway, this. You know, we're gonna start doing before we. We're gonna bring, start bringing guests back on the network, probably sometime mid February. But before then, I want to get a couple of shows done. I really want to get into the Betty and Barney Hill stuff. Uh, real deep, so y'all understand why I, I, I say what I say and why I rewrote the case. Oh, you mean Kathleen Maldron? She hates me. Uh, we got into a public debate and she lost big time. Oh, yeah, debates. The matter of fact, if y'all want to see this debate between her and I, it's all in text. Uh, it's on the International for Community Alien Research sites, ICAR1.com. It's there for you to read. See, I'm not like them. They didn't want to make it public. I did. I wanted the whole thing public. I, I like, you know, let, we look, I don't believe that we the people are stupid. I believe that we the people are intelligent and we can make smart decisions. And by putting this kind of information out for everybody to see it, it helps them to understand that, yes, you know, you don't have to keep a lie. So in the Bill Hills case, it was wrong. The The abduction did not happen in the United States. It happened in Canada. What happened in the United States was a military abduction. And I went through it. I went through all the Simon's tapes. I went through all the Betty Hill's tapes. I mean, this was a black gentleman who was working as a post office who knew colonels in the air force. He had a colonel living with him. And to, on top of that, he knew two other colonels. Colonels is right below a brigadier general. I mean, that's how close they are to being a general. Uh, colonels are the ones that get to run, run bases and stuff like that. Uh, Navy has captains, captains. We, we, navies don't have colonels. So they, they're captains they're the same as a, a colonel, but this is important stuff that people were just overlooking. The fact that he had always been in and out of mental problems since he was a young kid. That this was something that was going on his entire life. This wasn't something that was going on entire in Betty's entire life. But it was something that was going on in Barney's entire life. And these people took a interest in him at a young age. He was even invited to the White House. Why? Because he was one of the first interracial couples? Bullshit. You better come up with a better reason than that. Uh, and that's another thing. Being an interracial couple in the 60s and early 70s and didn't get any background flack for it? What is going on here? There was a lot of stuff that went on that nobody wants to talk about. But in their case, neither one of them can tell you where the hotel they spent the night at was, what the name of it was, the name of the restaurant they ate at that morning. And later that day when they asked for directions, one described the guy as a black cop and one described him as a white Irishman. How in the hell can you get them to stay? I mean, there's no way you could even do I mean, that's that's no way. It's, that's two people in the same car looking at the same person giving two entirely different. No, I'm sorry. Betty described him as a white Irishman. Yeah, very, She said very white skin, red hair, and Barney described him as a black cop. That's a guy he stopped and asked directions for. But yet, a little earlier, they couldn't even tell you the name of the restaurant. And get this: when they checked out the hotel, they had breakfast across the street. They both admitted they could see the sign of the restaurant, but they could not remember the name of the hotel, even though they were looking at it or the restaurant. Ah, unless you're on drugs, I don't know why your memory would be that bad. I just, I just don't know why it would be that bad. Oh no, ancient aliens don't like me because they, I don't, I don't. I, it, I've done, I've been on ancient alien three times and uh coast no, I've been on coast 4 or 5 times but it's um it's well I'm, I'm too too information pointed yes it's it's too much for, how did he tell me it's too much for the average person to understand that's what i was told yeah i'm not going to tell you about who cuz i do like to the, the peep some of the people i met over there but Oh, the production company was great. Prometheus, they were great. No, they were great. I, I met them in, let's see, D.C., it was D.C., New York, and L.A. Now they were great. It was a different crew each time, but they were great. Oh, no, I had a great time with them. Mm-hmm. No, they, were, they were a lot of fun. And they did a good job, but it's hard because, okay, D.C., that was the last interview. Uh, I got to stay in a suite was fabulous. The bathroom of this suite was bigger than my house. I'm not shitting y'all. The bathroom in this suite was right. You could see Obama's bedroom from where I was staying. I'm not kidding y'all. And I was at the Mandarin hotel and the White House was right up the street. Um, They got a a penthouse suite. It was great. The bed was one of them plush pillow down beds. I just disappeared in the bed when I got into it. It was great. Um, Next time was in New York and the time after that was in Los Angeles. Everybody took took me great. Matter of fact, uh, in L.A., they gave me my own private, um, I don't know what you'd call her, but uh, she got me places, took me places, showed me around Los Angeles. Got, matter of fact, uh, on the third day, I was getting ready to leave the next morning at 10, uh, she actually had me to go to, it was uh, one of them Hollywood galas, big party. So I went to the party and met all kind of producers and Hollywood people. And I met someone from, I think it was Netflix, and uh, they were asking me some stuff. We got into the conversations and talked like midnight. And he said, well, look, we're doing auditions in the morning. You ought to come. I said, dude, I'm flying out. I said, I don't want to miss my flight. He said, we'll, we'll do a special and we'll just show up at 6.30. So I'd get there do the audition and talk to me. So we were going to do a, a, a series, a two or three year series on reenactment of alien abductions. Well, COVID came, so that went the way out of Dotaburg. Well, just a few weeks ago, I got a call back and asked if I was still interested in doing it. So... Uh, we've already cleared what my salary is going to be. So we just got to clear how the reenactments are going to be done and what kind of respect level are we talking about? Because I said, they're just going to make fun of people. I don't want to be involved and I don't want them using any of my contactees. So we'll see where that goes. It it looks, it looks good. Um, I I see them. um, They'll be back in February, I believe. Well, I was going to fly out there, but, they, they've been doing shoots with me down here in different areas, so I, I think they'll be back down here. They want to do a shoot in Honey Island. so And then uh, I'll be out in L.A. in April, the end of April, for Writers of the Future. Yeah, So if y'all want to catch me out there, I'm out there for a whole week. Uh, I'm chasing around winners of Writers of the Future contests, but I do have free time, yes. So anybody who's out there, and I'm always looking to talk to content, here's another one for you. Just tells you how weird my life is. So uh, the Friday night, the last time we went, uh, I ran into Chris, who's from Australia. Uh, we, two, it was one Australian, two two people from the UK, and one from Spain. We went all out drinking Friday night. So we're sitting around talking and enjoying ourselves and you know having a good time. And um, this lady out of blue comes up, sits down and starts talking to me. And we're talking for about 15 minutes. She said, you're the guy off of Ancient Aliens, aren't you? And all of a sudden, the whole table goes, I mean, this place is noisy. The whole table just gets quiet I every mean, no <laughs> Just like shh. And she's like, can we, can we talk? I said, well, I said, I'm out with some people. I said, I don't want to be rude to them. I said, here's, here's my uh, number at the hotel. You can call me there. She said, I just, I just want to tell you these couple of things. So she starts telling me once she gets into it, I don't even want to stop because it's, it's, you know, it's, she's hitting abduction criteria, private abduction criteria. So I know she's a real contactee. So her and I talked and uh, we talked for a couple of hours. And then we were going to another club. So I said, "Let's give me a call while I'm in town. We'll catch up. And she, uh, she came over to the restaurant and had lunch with me. And we went over the stuff. Uh, and it was a really good case. But that's what I'm saying. People just out of the blue, that's how I got into this. Because for like three years, when I was in the Navy, and when I first came home, I had people, just doctors, lawyers, politicians, people that I knew from growing up who all of a sudden were telling me about their abductions. And I hadn't gotten into the field yet. Well, when I was in the Navy, every pilot I met had had some kind of experience. Every pilot I met. Male, female, in between, it didn't matter. Um, It was like, and I'm like, why are you telling me this? How do you know I might not go out, you know, print this in a story and make me some money? Well, I remember um, my family's been tangled into stuff on and off for a long time. And I remember... Uh, there was a senator over at our house having lunch. I'm not going to say who it was, but my dad, uh, just before he passed. And uh, he just starts talking about, you know, seeing these weird lights in the sky and having things approach him. And, you know, he's, he's thought he's talked about it. My dad's looking at him like he's crazy. I'm fascinated, but I'm, I, I wasn't old enough. So later on, he had actually, I wanted to get in contact when I, when I got older and I tried to find him, but he had passed away. And, man, um, I'm telling you. It was just one person after, and even today, I'm not kidding you. Even today, I have been, I have been sitting in places. We're having lunch at one of the casinos the other day. And, uh, and this happens several, several times. Uh, we're having lunch and this girl keeps staring at me. My wife's like, is that like some young girlfriend you used to have? Or is it your current girlfriend, you know, just, just picking. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And she came over and she gave, brought our drinks. And I said, baby, why do you keep staring at me? I said, uh, she said, um, well, I don't want to interrupt your, your lunch. And I said, well, just tell me what it is. She said, I've been taken by aliens. I'm like, what? She said, well, I know you're the guy. I've seen you on, on the radio before. I've heard you on the radio before. And I said, I recognize your voice. I'm like, really? I was like, okay. And uh, she went into this story. I was like, damn. So I gave him my personal number to give me a call. She's actually an Icar director now. Uh, but it's just weird. I I can be, I remember I was, a supervisor for a convenience chain. I was actually a training manager is what I was. And I'd be standing there in line bitching out one of my managers and out of the blue, somebody just come up and start telling me about their experience. They hadn't heard me before. At that time, I wasn't even hardly really into it. It was, I just, by the time I was 25, I had at least a hundred people tell me about alien abductions. And I, and I couldn't figure out why. It was like I had a sign on my back, hey, talk to me you don't have to believe me you can ask all kind of people all kind of people who worked with us and friends of ours and it was even my wife was like what the hell do you have like alien abduction cologne on or something it was and even today it's the same way i'll be somewhere it's a little different today because i'm, I'm a little better known but still it's just it's 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 weirds me out it really does um couple of weeks ago um we were at Beau Rivage, and uh, they have um, the lunchtime buffet. A lot of the military people come in, and we and we were sitting there having lunch, and one uh, of some friends of ours, and this Air Force guy came by. He's a pilot, and he looks down at me. He, he wanted to say something to me, but he just kept walking on by. And then him and this girl walked by. She said, "Uh, I've seen you on Ancient Aliens, haven't I?" I'm like, "Yes." He said, "You're the alien guy. I really need to talk to you. So not just me, several pilots need to talk to you." Now, I have never talked about this before today, but they talked about their flight going missing for 18 hours and then reappearing. They have no idea what happened to them. All they know is the flight went missing for 18 hours. It was recorded by Eglin Air Force Base. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, Eglin. Is that the one I'm going to make sure I'm giving you the right one? Well, I get it confused sometimes with the one in Florida because we got one right up the street here. And, uh, I said, dude, I've never even heard that. He said, yeah, because it's classified. He said it never made the news or anything like that. It was classified. He said, we were on a classified flight. He said, and then we were coming back when this brilliant blue light appeared above all the planes. And then I don't remember anything until I was landing at the airport. And we were all stunned that we were landing at the airport. And and we were all kind of like, okay, and they get out their planes and all, he has people everywhere, military people, officers, uh, people with guns and shit. Where you know, because they wanted to know where they had been. Well, when they checked the planes, they still had, you know, they fueled the planes. You know, when you fuel a plane, you put X amount of fuel in it, and then they still had the right amount of fuel when they landed. No excess fuel was used, and the chronometers and everything inside the plane was still set for the time it should have been. I don't know. It's not a case I've talked about a lot. So. Well, I haven't talked about any until tonight. But that's only because I just recently was given permission uh, by the people to talk about it. It's like the reptilians uh, in the water at, at Katrina. So the first time I heard this, I, this was Katrina was just had ended. I mean, this was going on. That recovery was in the middle. It was just several few days. I'd met one PL- NOPD offices that had said he had been taken to one of the local malls. And they were using the malls as prisons to keep people locked up. And it was because they, you know, they pull down and pull down gates. The back walls are brick. So there's no way to get out of it. You might be able to knock each other wall out, but when you get to the end, it's brick on each end and it's steel gate in the back in the front. So you're not getting out of there. So he was telling me about that when a couple of days later, I was talking about a radio on it. We were doing we were the first ones to do live broadcasts out of the city of New Orleans, but I was doing a couple of broadcasts and I had a NOPD contact me telling me about him, what him and his experience, him and his partner had. Then I had two um, Marines tell me. Now, these are veteran Marines. They had actually served in Desert Storm. So these weren't just, you know, these were guys who had been in serious combat and they had told me what they'd seen. So over the next year, we literally had, I think it was. It was eleven soldiers and nine NOPS that came forward about this experience they had uh, in in the water and on West Esplanade of all places uh, during the Katrina. A couple of them, I still remember the Marine guys. It was three of them. He said we seen this thing, and he said I'm saying thing because it looked like it was about nine foot tall, maybe eight foot tall. It was big. He said I kept thinking of predator, like out of the movie Predator. He said he said I remember slinging my M16 back over and pulling it back and holding it and my other two guys and we got up closer to the thing and we realized that it wasn't a human. It was some type of weird reptilian looking thing. And he said, the next thing I remember, I'm walking back to the Jeep, with my gun slung back over. He said, we didn't even remember till the next day what had happened to us. I I just, there was lots of cases that came out of there about this. And once it got public, public, we started getting more cases. Um, But when I say 11 cases, out of each, so it was 11 from the Marines, nine from the, um, well, 11 from the military and nine from the, you know, PD. There wasn't just nine or 11 people. And in the, the army things, it was anywhere from three to four. And the police was anywhere from two to three. There's a lot of witnesses. That had had this weird experience with a reptilian in the water on West Leslie on the, that's the end of the French quarter, by the way, that they, the uh, West Esplanade, I shouldn't say West Esplanade, Esplanade, borders between the French Quarter and the Marigny. These are just two upscale neighborhoods, uh, two party neighborhoods, really, that it borders to. And they're not the only ones. We had citizens said they had seen these things. They one Two citizens said they remembered seeing uh, two of these things walking through the deep water, uh, where the water was deep, uh, with a bunch of bodies behind them tied by a string, and he said, when they got to this one place, they tied him to a stop sign. Well, that's what the rescuers were doing. Anytime they would find bodies, they would get a group of them. They would tie them to a stop sign on a corner and then tell people where to go pick them up at. So I was at first I was thinking, what, these grandparents taking them to go eat them? Now they were just helping out. No, all of it is just, you know, you can't when it's one witness, two witness, three witness. The more witnesses you get, the harder it is to say, oh, that shit's not real. Um, and then when you get when you get that, I mean, and all the military people were all had all served. These were people who had been in combat. These were not scary people, you know. They didn't scare easily. Sure, a couple of these guys had Purple Hearts. I mean, it just it just I don't know what to think about it. And a couple of the cops were veteran cops. That had been on the force twenty, thirty years. This was taking a chance of losing their pensions by even talking about this stuff. But yet here they are. We st- and even today, every now and then, we get somebody else that calls in. And what's weird is when I met Charles Hall about uh, tall whites out in Area 53, um, I still remember this. I told him, Charles, I said, I, said, I believe that you believe this. Because the way he gave me the account, you know, I, I believe that he believed it. There was no malice on his part. He wasn't trying to lie to me. You know, I do voice dressing now, so I also have degrees in facial recognition and body language. So, um I not I knew he wasn't trying to lie to me, but I didn't believe the story. Oh, we we met these aliens. I believed that story up until he said they went to Las Vegas and went gambling. Then I was like, "What? You're on crack, buddy." I, I'm not. I'm serious. And his wife talked me into doing two more interviews with him, but um, I was having a hard time believing it. And then one afternoon, a taxi cab driver calls me and tells me about seeing these things getting into a limousine. He gives a great description of them. A couple of weeks later, I get another tax job calls me. I'm saying, oh, well, they're pranking me. Then, it was about a month later, I get a call from not one, but two state troopers that worked the casino where they were hanging out. He said, I was going over, he said, because of some of the stuff they had on their face and their head. He said, well, you're not allowed to wear that kind of gear in the casino. So I was going over to tell him when, Somebody out of nowhere just walked up behind me and said, this isn't your concern. Go sit down. Go away. And the cop was going to get, you know, a troop So he's going to get angry when the guy pulled out his badge and said, again, go away. I don't know what it was or who the guy worked for. And the cop didn't want to tell me. So he just, they just went away. So he called. They both called me about that. And then a couple of weeks later, we get a call from a, um, a local PD who's here. So all together, we got about 12 witnesses out of it. Does that prove it 100%? No, but it sure gives it a lot of kick. Well, I've learned something that people like to carry on. You know, like when we see these cases on TV uh, where somebody's done something that one person said and then two persons said they did it in 10, then 20, and 30, and 40. Well, it's, it's called, you know, yeah, everybody's piling on. Well, some of them people are definitely telling the truth, but a lot of them people are lying. Well, it's the same thing in these cases. A lot of times people are just piling on. They just want to be part of it. And then later on you find out someone lying. But a lot of times... Like these military guys, none of them were lying, and the ones I, the cops I met in New Orleans, they were, you could tell by looking at them in the face, they were stunned and still scared. The ones I interviewed personally were still scared. I mean, you know, you see a nine foot reptilian walking down was I mean, Esplanade in the daylight, you're like, really? And you know, the water back there was about seven feet deep at the time, maybe eight feet. And uh, so this thing, it might have been taller than that because they said it was shoulders above the water at, at least. And um, I was like, "Shit!" Uh, it, but you know, you know how cops and military are—they going to investigate. All of it was very strange. All of it was very scary. But over the years, we've gotten hundreds of cases like that, and uh, where people just—and a lot of times, I get stuff that hasn't been made public yet. And then I'll get, for somehow or another, other people find out that I'm looking into it. I have no idea how. They just find that I'm looking into it, and, and more and more witnesses come forward. Okay, it's like the first cop I was telling you about who was in the uh, mall where they locked him at the o- Oak Ridge, Oakdale Mall. Well, come to find out, he's not the only one that was there. He wasn't the only cop. He wasn't the only person. So what it looked like was going on was the aliens were training the cops on if this, whatever this happens is, is how they could use their malls as, uh, jails. I never really thought of it, but it's a good idea. And they said they were using chains. They also were showing them how to use some type of, um, laser stick, I guess you would call it. It was a stick that had a charge on it, like, uh, it could electrocute you, but it could also cut through you and stuff like that. It could use it cut out stuff. Um, they use them just like any type of electric stick. Like, you know, you ever seen a cattle prod for a cow? It was like that, but a different type of electricity. But it could also do other things besides that. And uh, I remember two of them told me the same thing. They were having a hard time cooperating. One of the reptilians just bent over and bit the one guy on his shoulder like that, took a big chunk in his shoulder, left big, huge teeth marks. And he said, I still remember I was at the hospital and uh, they were sewing me up. And the guy said, what the hell bit you? He said, what was this? And he said, I have no idea what it was because he didn't want to talk about it. Um, And what gets me is usually when they damage you, they fix you. It was almost like they wanted him to keep the scar. Like, look, you effed up. We want you to remember what you did. All of that stuff is very strange. But when you start getting more and more reports from everyday people and cops and military, you have to stop and think what's going on. Some of the best sightings I get are coming from, you know where they come from? They come from pilots truck drivers and police officers. At least the sightings I get. Yeah. I get lots of them from those people. A lot of them have stopped reporting to move on into uh, Peter Davenport because they said they're not getting anything out of it. Well, a lot of times there's nothing you can do. You can get the report. I've seen a flying saucer landing and such and such and such and such. Okay. I got it. Did it do anything else? Do you know was any missing time gain time? know they don't know. So here's another one that I changed. So, in the early days, they would tell you they would see like owls. And anytime there was an abduction, they would say they would see like owls or deers, just standing there, staring at them and stuff like that. Or they'd see a UFO. Well, everybody thought these were cover memories. But I learned about 10 years into this, they were trigger memories. And what I mean by that is so if you see a UFO, it's for you, it's to trigger your memory that something happened to you. And the way we know this is, is aliens don't have to let you see their craft. Yeah. The only time you get to see a craft is if they want you to see a craft. They do not let you have to see their craft. I mean, they're flying around all the time. There's 8 billion people on this planet and we rarely see a UFO. So they don't have to let you see it. That's a trigger memory. And other memory, other things they plant in your head are memories so that you will stop and think about what happened to you. So it's a trigger memory, not a cover memory. Oh my God, move on. He acted like I shot him. It's so much better of an explanation than what they were using. They got so mad at me for so long. It was just, even friends of mine were mad at me. I'm like, why are you fucking mad at me? It's the truth. It's a trigger memory, not a cover memory. What, what actually makes more sense here? Because I don't believe that everyday people can see UFOs. I got to be honest with you about that. I don't think I think only contactees can see UFOs. That's why the percentage is so small. Well, there's 8 billion people on this planet. Four billion of them have camera phones in their pocket. And we're getting less pictures now than we did in the 50s and 60s. Come on. There is something seriously wrong with that. Yeah, we are. We get, we get less pictures now than we got in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. You tell me why. And it's so easy to hoax a picture on a phone now on a computer, especially if you're using digital. Or, or it's, it's just it's ridiculous. But our explanation was better. It was a trigger memory. Just like missing time went away, but gain time and other times came in. We learned something that MUFON still has not admitted to today. We found out about two decades ago that ET responded to us. And what I mean by that is they realized that we were using missing time and cover memories, as they call them, to find out stuff. So they reacted. Uh, they did away with missing time. There was no reason that now they just pull you out of time and hold you there until they're done. And we know that because we had cases sometimes where women and men who were clean shaved come back with three weeks of hair on their legs or their face, stuff like that. we got lots of cases like these. And we've got proof of what they look like before it happened. So they they take you out of time now. There's no reason to do that. And we realize that they don't need cover memories. They use looped memories. We found that out by accident. Both these things we found out by accident just by doing research. So a loop to memory is let's say that every morning, let's say we're going to use a pregnant woman, for example. Ladies, don't get mad at me. So you're pregnant. You're like in your fifth month. Every morning there's a hot work, hot dog stand on the way to work. You stop every morning and get that hot dog and that chili, dog, chili cheese and onion. That's right. Every morning you're feeding that poor baby chili cheese and onions, right? Yeah, little baby's growing like it's supposed to. But every morning you see that and you stop and you get it. So it's two years later, your kid's born, you're doing whatever. And then that morning you remember stopping and getting that chili cheese dog. Now, let's be honest. Most women, most men for that matter, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning is not going to stop and get a chili cheese with onions. But pregnant it's different. You know, women get weird cravings when they're pregnant. Trust me, I've been around a lot of them. If you haven't, guys, you will learn this on your own. So this woman calls me up in a panic one night going on. She said, Joe, something is weird in my life. I'm like, what? She said, I remember this morning stopping on my way to work and getting a chili cheese coney, a chili cheese and onion coney. I said, like, what's wrong with that? She said, Stan's been closed for a year. Uh-oh. So the aliens made a mistake. They used a loop memory. And what loop memories are so They take that memory of you going to that chili stand and going to work every day. It's uneventful. It's a thing, a routine. You do everything, mopping your floor, sweeping your carpet, driving long distances, whatever it is. Let's say you got an hour drive to work every day. They can loop that memory. So as far as your brain's concerned, nothing happened. It's a looped memory. It just plays back. There's no need for a cover memory. This memory is foolproof. There's no way to break it because there's nothing there but the looped memory. And it just loops over whatever they've got underneath it. And that's what you see. But occasionally they make mistakes. Like the way we found our gain time was, or, or change time was a couple in Pensacola, Florida. So this couple were on vacation in Pensacola, Florida. They were staying at a hotel that I stay at on a regular basis in Gulf Breeze, Florida. It's a beautiful place on the back bay. So they check into the hotel. They do their business. They're watching TV. You can clearly see at 10 o'clock, the car's there, and everything else. So about a quarter to 11, they leave and they stop at the local Circle K. The girls at the Circle K remembered seeing them. We went and interviewed everybody involved in this, by the way. Uh, the girls at Circle K clearly remember them coming in the store about seven or eight minutes to 11. It was about shift changes, and it was four of them instead of two. So they all remember seeing the couple, the couple left, and where they were going was about four or five minutes up the street. So they park their car, they walk out to the beach. They have some kind of weird thing, but they really don't remember what happened until we put them on hypnosis. We'll get to that after a while, if we got time, but Oh, no, we ain't going to have time. But anyway, we'll get through the story though. So they get back in their car, they drive back. So they, they, they get back home and they're cleaning the car and they find a ticket, you know, a ticket from a cop in between their seats. And they're like, what the hell? And it said at 10.05 p.m., officers said they were illegally parked and wrote them a ticket. So I get a phone call because they didn't leave the hotel. They were still at the hotel. So I went and I called the hotel up and hopingly they hadn't destroyed the tape. And they hadn't yet because it only been a couple of days. And when I looked at the tape, the car was clearly parked in the hotel at 10.05. That's where it was. So I'm thinking, well, maybe the cop made a mistake. So I go interview the cop. He said no. When I looked at my my dashboard and my wrist, it was ten ten right around ten. He said when I called the dispatcher, she repeated it back to me. You know, she told me what time it was and, and all of that. We both said it was ten o five. I was like, okay. So the punch thing, the register thing, where she did, the um, dispatcher puts it in, said ten o five. The cop had ten o five, but yet. This car was at the hotel at 10.05. The people were at the hotel at 10.05, and according to all the witnesses, it was 11-something. So what went on here is they took these people out of time and put them back, and that's what screwed things up. Um, The way they put them back changed the way the time outlet flowed. So that car, as far as the aliens were concerned, was there at 10.05, because that's when the ticket was written, and that's when everything went on. But according to all the we- witnesses, the car wasn't there until 11.05. You figure it out. It's not the only case we've got like that. We've got over 100 of them now. We call them missing time or gain time or frequent time, but it's not missing time. So along with that and looped memories, it makes it really hard now to know who's been taken and who's not. And that's a direct response to the researchers. So that proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that the aliens adjusted the way they behaved because of the people involved in researching the, the abductions. They changed the way they did abductions because of us, not because of me, but because of us, everybody who was using, uh, trigger memories or, or, uh, which we memories and, and yeah, lost time. All of a sudden didn't have that anymore. There was no more lost time. I, we rarely, very fewly ever hear about a lost time case anymore. Yeah. Missing time. We r- rarely ever hear about them. Yes. And we hardly ever hear about any kind of, any kind of, uh, cover memories. We still see trigger memories though, because most of the time when somebody sees a UFO, they had either just been taken or just been putting back. And that's what that memory for to let you know something happened to you, but we got to go guys. I didn't realize it was already 10 after eight. Uh, Michelle's on right now. She's probably cussing me in five languages. Um, uh, So y'all be sure to catch Michelle DeRoche. matter of fact, i am got to flip her over to the main server. Uh, She's on right now with her guest. Let me see who her guest is. I don't think it has it in front of me. Uh, But y'all go check right now. (laughs) It's, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. Somebody else just sent me something crazy. Uh, Hold on. Let me tell this individual. Yes. Yes. but these kind of things is what makes it difficult to do research because one, we've noticed now that the aliens have adjusted the way they do abductions according to us. I mean, one of my favorite cases is, is I went to go have dinner. Now, these people are friends of ours. They're abductees, but they're friends of ours. We've known them for years. So we drove down to Gulf Breeze to have dinner with them. And this was not any research, by the way. This was just a friendly, let's go have dinner, go, you know, out to the beach. We're going to go out and listen to some music. Oh, we did it backwards. We went to head music. And then we went and had dinner. It was a late dinner, 11, 11, 10, 30, 11 o'clock dinner. So we had dinner and we took a picture, you know, a group picture. Now it was me and my wife and, and I'm not going to mention their names, a the gentleman and his wife. Now gentleman's clean shaved, He has no beard, no mustache. She's wearing a skirt, leg shaved, as clean as they can be, you know. So what do you mean? I don't notice he had hair and eyes, but anyway, so I'm getting ready, you know, I'm at the hotel, it's uh, 6.30 in the morning, so I'm still sleeping, my phone starts ringing, like, Who in a, I'm cussing, you know, I'm figuring something to do at work. I look over and I see their name, I say, why the hell are they calling me at 6.30? I said, we're going we're gonna to meet at 12 before we left to go home. So I pick up the phone and they're just screaming, panic. i was like, what the hell is wrong with y'all? You got to come over here right now, you got to, I said, well, let me get time, give me an hour, I got to get dressed, blah, blah, blah. So I get dressed and say, bring your can, bring your can. so I get dressed, I go over there. I walk in the house, and this guy answers the door. He's got a beard like this, man. He looks like, he looks like one of them mountain guys. I mean, his beard's way out here, big, thick. And I was like, "Who the hell, the hell is this? And I realized who it was. I'm like, dude. So I grab it like this and start pulling on it. You know, He's like, no, George it's real. I'm, I'm yanking on it. At this point, I'm hanging on it, trying to get his face is turned all red. So she said, that's not the worst of it. His wife throws her leg up on a table. And it's, I mean, it looked like Gorilla Girl. I'm not kidding you, man. She looked like Gorilla Girl. She had that much hair. So they went to the hospital and they asked if there was any way they could just could spontaneously happen. The doctor said, as far as you know, it could never happen. So he asked him to estimate hair growth. He put it at three weeks worth of hair growth. So we checked with a couple other doctors. And most of them agreed that it was about three weeks of hair growth. I had just seen him at midnight. And this was six in the morning when they called me. Six hours. As far as we're concerned six hours passed as far as they're concerned three weeks passed so i waited a week or so um i got a another because we're friends i got somebody else to do the hypnosis regression and the polygraph and uh, they both passed the polygraph no problem and under regression there was a lot more memories than six hours a lot more there was a lot of stuff we couldn't recover but there was a lot of other stuff so, it just tells you how they have readjusted the way they do things according to us. Maybe it's because of ICAR, because ICAR really upped their way we did abduction research based on everybody else, but it didn't matter who it was. They had just adjusted. But what bothered me so much is how many of my fellow researchers from other groups hadn't caught on. It took most of them four or five years after that event just to catch up. And we had already been into this almost 12 years before that event. It just shows you, if you do real research, you can get to real truth. If you do research that you think is going to benefit you personally, you have prove a point that you're trying to prove, look, there's lots of stuff that we were wrong about. Lots and lots and lots of stuff we were wrong about. I'll, I'll do a show one night on just all the things ICAR is wrong about. Uh, we were wrong about the grays, work for the reptilian and humans. We had to go out and admit that, that we were wrong. We had to change it. There's been at least a dozen times where I've gone on television and radio and said, hey, this is what we used to believe, but because of this, this, and this, we've changed our mind and we believe this. I have never heard any other research organization do that but us. And I know lots of them that made lots of mistakes, but no other research organization has done it by us. You know, it bothers me when people think they're perfect and don't make mistakes. I know. But on that note, guys, I got to get out of here. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to United Public Radio, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, and the UFO Undercover Show. Um, don't forget, we will be joining Roku pretty soon. If you're interested in getting a daytime slot or a evening, later evening slot, you can write to me at ICAR at Cox.net. If you're interested in being on Roku, you can also write to me at Cox.net, um at And the reason we're bringing this up is because right now we're on Roku, uh, Spring will be on Amazon as well. So we'll be on Amazon, Firestick and Roku. Uh, by summer, we'll also be on Apple Television and probably Samsung Television. So, we're expanding in major ways. We want to bring everybody on board. People who want to get on board come visit with us. Uh, catch myself. from am Marcel de Roche. A lot of times we're busy. So, you know, don't, don't get upset if we don't write back to you right away. And you're not going to pester us so you can write more than once. You know what they say, huh? <laughs> the early bird gets to work. Well, that works too. I was going to say the squeaky wheel gets off. But <laughs> still either way. It works either way. But not tonight. Good night, guys. And I will see y'all next week. I'll well, see y'all Friday, actually.